This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Anybody has any questions, feel free. What happens if you ever stepped into your spouse's bounds and entered into your spouse's space too early? You did damage, so how do you fix it now? Can you? Restoring trust after it's been broken is is a complex issue, right? Because when a person gets married, we want trust. We want to develop trust. We want to get to that point where there is trust. Trust has to be developed. So, you know, I don't know if the questioner is asking after being married for six weeks, six years, or 60 years. You know, there's a big difference between the two. But you will oftentimes find that by relinquishing your control in whatever area you stepped into, your spouse usually will blossom in that area. And after a while, they'll invite you back in. So, you know, think of a million examples, but let's say if a wife is constantly asking her husband, are you learning? When are you learning? What are you learning? Where are you going? All that stuff. And then she steps back. She lets him find his place, build his own control in his own world, get his own chavrusas, whatever. You'll find after a while, he'll come home. He'll share with you. By the way, I had such a gishmaka nightsader tonight. I learned this thing. Let me tell you over a vart. He'll, he'll invite you into this world. He'll ask you about his ties when you stop nagging him about his clothing you'll find that it, it will restore itself like the balance will restore itself when you step back into that world i also will say that i think i think talking in this language of instead of just being angry but saying oh my gosh i i, I realize what i've done over these years like i've been stepping into this into this side of things and i didn't belong over here i'm sorry you know i realize that this is really your domain like you you reestablish it Oftentimes just gets the person to understand that like you're, you're now good. I, I wanted to say, I want to just use this question as a springboard for something. I think that in, in many relationships, we tend to think that it, it's best to be positive. And of course it is good to be positive. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's always good to be positive, but more often than not, what I find in relationships is that it's better to state the negative. What that means is, is that you, you oftentimes find people who are expressing emotions in words. And what their emotion is conveying is you disconnected from me. You spoke harshly to me. I felt disrespected. And when they push back and they're trying to be heard, their primary need at this moment is to be understood. So when the person who is now being challenged as to their behavior, either gaslights, makes the person think that they're crazy, or they they don't really hear the emotion, they don't really understand what's being conveyed, or they just say the words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry doesn't necessarily mean you're sorry. It usually means I'm sorry that we're in this situation. But it doesn't convey that you actually know why you're in this situation or what you're going to do to get yourself out of this situation or why you're never going to do it again. But when you say the negative, when you say, I must have made you feel abandoned, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be much more aware of my action. You said the negative. You'll find, I guarantee you, 95% of the time, the negativity in your relationship will be diminished drastically, instantly. Because they're now, you're now being heard. So why are you still fighting? Why are you still emoting this 
high negative energy. You don't have to. The reason why you do that originally is simply because you want to be heard and understood. Once you actually feel heard and understood, that emotion usually will diminish drastically. So when somebody says, I realize I stepped into your boundaries, I realize that I've been asking you a lot of questions about this, but I wasn't welcome here. And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be much more conscious about that. Usually that would be greatly appreciated. And if you find that the person's always been pushing you back and pushing you out and stop asking me and you're driving me crazy and get away from me and stop, stop doing this with my jacket and my tie and my hat, just stop. The minute you step back and you say, you know what? I realized I stepped into this world. I didn't, I didn't know this idea, but now I realize that I did. I apologize. But like, it's a real apology. You'll usually find that the person will appreciate it. And then over time, they'll also realize that your input probably is valuable because part of this idea is that you're married to somebody. So more things fall into the center of the Venn diagram than I think we give credit to. Finance, clothing, Again, there's always the personal finance, the personal clothing, but overall, a couple is representative of each other. And there's so many things that fall into the center of that diagram that we have to be willing to acknowledge we're one unit, but it, it takes time to develop that. And it takes time for like that shell to break for the person to allow you to, to get in. So if somebody realizes that they did that, have that awareness, be open say the negative and then wait for the trust to develop and then usually you'll find you'll you'll attain the level that you're actually welcome into this space again you have to use it cautiously it's a very powerful tool um, a few people are asking how do you open yourself up to allow your husband or your wife to come into your world like how do you like they explain like how do you allow them not just by allowing them to come in but hopefully and hoping he responds the way you want him to, but actually trusting. Like, how do you open your So it's such a good question. I, I think that this is a process. It's not something that you can do overnight. Okay. It's not like, oh, you did this once and, and you got this. Okay. And I, I will just forewarn. I think that a lot of people won't truly get to the depth of what you can get over here. But the process is that on various things, you bring into your relationship what you want what you want your relationship to have so it could be you're anxious about something and you say to your spouse you know i just want to talk to you about this for a minute now if in the past every time you brought it up it just fell flat and he didn't know what to do he didn't know what to say you can even tell him i need five minutes of uninterrupted time i just need to tell you i'm a little anxious about something at work can we talk about this i just need you to just validate me Tell me you understand me and encourage me. I need that for five minutes. Like, let's do this little exercise together. And you'll find, like, most people won't run away from that. They'll, they'll embrace the fact that they were a little bit clueless as to your deep, deep needs. These are deep stuff. And you're now telling them what you need. Like, most people will respond in a positive way. I also think that when it comes to allowing yourself to be vulnerable, you, you, you have to expect the person to not, to not be a wizard, to not be able to tune in so much, to not know the perfect words that you're saying. And it's okay. It's okay. Don't shut down simply because a person didn't validate or, or, or pick up their phone in the middle of your conversation and then you lose your mind. Oh my gosh, I thought, we, I, thought I could trust you and here I'm in the middle of opening my heart and, and, and you're on the phone with somebody else. 
Like, take the time to bring the skill into your marriage. We've spoken in the past about the idea of teaching your spouse. And I know some people here had pushed back on that a lot. To me, the idea of teaching your spouse is is so incredible. It, it, I think it goes to the same idea here. It's not that you're teaching them in a negative way. You're belittling them. You're talking down to them. You're bringing a skill to your relationship. People are so skilled. Like the thing that baffles my mind up until today is how is it take one person, like how talented one person can be, whether it's art or whether it's science or whether it's knowledge or math. There, there are people out there that are just incredibly sophisticated and smart. If you believe that you are sophisticated and smart, which you are, everybody is, that means that you have something to lend to your relationship that your spouse doesn't have. Just by definition, just being married, you're in this relationship, you have something to contribute that your spouse doesn't have. So why does our relationship have to be that I'm me and you're you? Why can't we both add our goodness to this pot? And then that becomes our house that rubs off on each other. So I think this is a process. The process starts with being able to trust yourself, be vulnerable, trust your spouse, be open, transparent with like what you need. Do it on things that are not earth shattering. I'm not saying that your spouse is going to become your therapist. I'm not saying that they're going to diagnose any pills for you or anything like that. But, you know, the basics of your spouse being there for you and being able to like lean on them and then them being able to really connect to you and give you what you need. It's, it's invaluable. I, you know, again, I don't want to say these words, but person lit again, I'm not, I don't want to say therapists are, let's call it more effective than spouses at doing what they do. But the reality is, is that you live with your, your spouse so many more hours, you interact with them so many more hours and you interact with your therapist even if you go to therapy every day, okay? Hopefully a person interacts more with their spouse, I hope. So those interactions have so much like potential within them. If you allow like a little bit, you you can just get so much. So again, I think that it's part of the process on, on a specific level. Every person may need their own guidance how to do it, but I think it starts with that and then it goes from there. Yeah, ask away. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I'm married for many years, over 40. Children, grandchildren, granara. And mm-hmm. um, a few years ago, my wife and I started to accrue a lot of debt. Um, my wife couldn't believe that we were accruing this debt, which was really through normal spending. So she went to our rub and said that he must be gambling. So my rep called me and said, are you gambling? And I said, no. Um, it keeps it keeps morphing into, well, if it's not that, it must be something else. Uh, she recently happened to tell one of my children, our children, that I have a drinking problem. And therefore, I'm, that's where all the family money is going. We've been to many therapists. As soon as we go to a therapist who doesn't agree with her side of the story, and I'm I'm totally willing to share uh, but the therapist, when she tells, when she finds a therapist that doesn't agree to her part of the story, she fires them. I mean, that's the last time we see that therapist. And I just, and and what I'm basically saying is, I'm, I'm following what you're saying that that trust. I think we had trust for a long time, but somewhere it went bad, and I just we just can't get back there. Right. It, it, it's well. It sounds like the trust was was lost at some point. Maybe maybe it was real, or maybe it was 
the perception of what was going on in the relationship, but something broke that trust, right? And again, I don't, I don't know the answer, but I would, I would obviously, you know, a couple has to sit down specifically and, and go through the whole picture. But if let's say, let's say the trust was broken in the area of finance, right? So in order to restore that, that, that trust, the transparency and the openness has to be reestablished. So figuring out, for example, you know, where all the money goes and who spends it and who has control over it and what's the budget and doing your write-up. And there's so many parts of it, right? I happen to be an accountant, so I'm a little bit familiar with money, right? The idea of, of, of doing it in a way where it gets reestablished that, that whatever trust was broken can now be open is oftentimes more effective, at least in my humble opinion, than figuring out how to fight about the trust that was broken. Again, of course, you have to figure out why it was broken and what happened there. But from a forward-looking philosophy, if you're if you're thinking it through, how do I reestablish this? So the way you reestablish this is by putting together that transparency, that openness, where there's no feeling of I'm on my side and she's on her side, and then there's the joint stuff in the middle because they're not trusting what's going on on the other side. You have the same thing, if I may say, when it comes to infidelity and those kinds of things also. There was a tremendous breach of, of the person's trust, and now you have to reestablish that. And how do you go about doing that? So, of course, there's identifying what happened and is the person an addict or are they not? Are they willing to submit the treatment? There's like all the steps that goes into this. But the, the reestablishment now that the person feels that comfort, almost I'll call it like giving the control over a little bit so that the trust is developed. That balance has to be maybe redefined in a relationship so that it gets reestablished, if that makes sense. Because oftentimes when a person is, is saying things, oh, they must be this, they have to do that, they're speculating because they don't, they don't know. And therefore, oftentimes the result of the breach of trust is even worse than the breach of trust, even if, like, if the breach of trust was even there in the first place. So again, we could talk about this more offline, I hope you're understanding the idea is that when there's a breach of trust, that means that somebody's somebody's not there. And in order to reestablish it, it, it has to now be thought through. How do I make it that my spouse can step onto my side of my world and connect to my world in, in, a, in a healthy way? But giving the person, you know, unilateral control is oftentimes going to be dangerous, going to backfire also. Because now all of a sudden, you know, you don't want to make sure that you're not suppressed in what you need in the relationship. So again, there's there's a tricky dynamic here. But in, in the overall picture, I just want you to understand that when there's a breach of trust, most of the words that are being said later on are just additional affirmations from an emotional standpoint that there was a breach of trust. Saying, oh, he must be a gambler, must be a gambler, must be an addict, must be on drugs. Must... All those words are just expressions of emotion. They're not necessarily real accusations. They're expressions of emotions that trust was broken and you now have to reestablish that trust by becoming transparent and saying the negative and acknowledging what was done. There's a whole process here that has to be gone through. So what if the spouse is not willing to, to sit down with the therapist and, and go through that? Would rather just, you know, go believing, you know, the trust was broken, but believing that, okay, the trust was broken, it, it will never be repaired because whatever trust was broken is irreparable. I obviously it's a choice that, you know, when somebody feels that they're that they're 
that they were betrayed, I'll use that word, that they have to choose. But more often than not, it could be that the stepping stone is sitting down with your local rabbi before sitting down with the therapist. Somebody who can get the overall picture to, to understand what the goal of the therapy would be. And, you know, again, it's a choice that people have to make and I've seen it go both ways. But essentially your question is less about the breach of trust as much as getting to the getting to the first brick of the yellow brick road that starts along this journey of rebuilding. And oftentimes that brick has to happen outside of the therapist's office in order to get the person to even agree that they're going, they're submitting. This is the process that we're going through. So again, we should, we should continue talking offline, but I just want you to understand that reestablishing even the rapport, the, 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 you know, submitting to whoever is going to be that third party. If you're trying to that, get that person there, but they keep jumping out, then that's a conversation that needs to happen outside of the therapist's office. Are you going to be spending a lot of time and energy and money, you know, trying to get, that process going, then it's not going to go. We should email each other. We should be in touch. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, does it make sense that in some areas you have this level of trust and overlap and in some areas it hasn't reached that yet? million percent. Sometimes it's by default and sometimes it's by design. And sometimes a person goes out of their way maybe subconsciously to show their spouse that, hey, you can trust me in this area. This is what I have going on in this area. I'm an open book, etc. And therefore the person just develops more trust. And sometimes, you know, maybe the person grew up in a more trusting home. Maybe they saw certain things in their upbringing or wherever it is that influenced them to be more trusting in specific areas. There are people who have anxieties about money. People have anxieties about medical things. I mean, the list goes on and on. So yeah, no question. Some people have it in certain areas. They don't have it in other areas. Um, I will say that I think on the emotional side of things, that's the key that you want to focus on. So meaning if a, if a wife emphatically trusts her husband, what he's learning and davening, and that's very nice and that's great. And I, I, I hope so, obviously. But, you know, to, to develop the areas that are, I know that I can talk to him about this. I had such a long day. I really wish I could speak to my spouse or I'm so nervous about this. And they are the person that I want to open up to. Those words are the words of a successful marriage. You know what I mean? It's not just the words of like, oh, I know he's, I know he's at work right now as opposed to somewhere else. That's, it's nice. I mean, <laughs> it's nice, but on like one to a hundred, that's, that's like in the teens. That's not like extremely strong. It's good. But I would hope that it would it would develop much more trusting them with with yourself, with who you are, with what you need to unburden. All of that side of things, I think, is really the key. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.